0: So this week's synopsis. Mm-hmm. A strange substance causes the crew to ignore their inhibitions and act out their deepest desires while the ship plummets out of orbit.
1: Ooh.
0: What do you think you're going to get?
1: I'm imagining a naked version of the scene with Ahura singing and Spock on the lute. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) you're gonna be
0: disappointed i think on that one
1: but will spock have any inhibitions if he's all logic by nature
0: Mm. we'll have to wait and see won't Mm. we
1: but if he's unemotional by nurture we're in for a whole wave of repressed
0: stuff (laughs) oh yeah well we'll Uh, let's take a look
1: oh do you think everyone will be slapping each other on the ass with wild (laughs) abandon
0: god i hope so Uh.
1: Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log. Our position, orbiting Psi 2000, an ancient world, now a frozen wasteland, about to rip apart in its death throes. Our mission? Pick up a scientific party below. Observe the disintegration of the planet.
0: That is the opening teaser for the Star Trek episode, The Naked Time. George Takei, the actor that plays Lieutenant Sulu, Mm -hmm. his favorite episode. And we're going to talk about it here on Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Chris Lackey.
1: And I'm Rachel Lackey, Star Trek newbie and skeptic.
0: Oh, skeptic. Oh, gosh. Okay. As Kirk says at the top, the Enterprise is orbiting a planet called Psi 2000 An ice planet that's going to explode or implode, I don't remember exactly which it was, but the Enterprise is there to pick up a scientific team on the planet and then they're going to monitor the collapse of the planet as it... uh,
1: Collapse. Implode.
0: Yeah. It's going to implode. Spock and this guy, Lieutenant Tormolan, beam down to the planet in the shoddiest looking environmental suits I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like a primary school nativity play during a pandemic. (laughs) <laughs> Be jazzled red and gold fabric hangs from vaguely visor-shaped headwear so it flaps around in a completely non-protective way yeah. and obstructs their vision a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was a budget issue uh, for the show and I found out that they actually constructed them from 1960s art deco style shower curtains. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm thinking maybe they had a theater costume designer who didn't appreciate how things look under the scrutiny of a screen.
0: Yeah, it could be. Or they could. sent
1: them out for shower curtains, thinking, "Do we have to explain that we mean plain white plastic shower curtains?" <laughs> no, they'll get that. That's obvious.
0: <laughs> the whole place, uh, the whole lab that they beam into, is frozen over. It's indoors, so it. it, it is looks... it indoors? Oh yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah, yeah, and all the scientists are frozen over as well. And dead. There's just one sitting at a station and is frozen in the shower, fully clothed.
1: Ooh, clothes in the shower. Damn, that's cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they seem to not know what's going on, uh, that they were under some kind of mental control or something like that.
1: They keep mentioning that fully dressed guy in the shower, but we never get to see it. No. I want to see that.
0: Yeah. Why wouldn't they show it? Because they're fully dressed. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with it. I think yeah, they it, show
1: that mannequin though.
0: They do, yeah. That Dead is lady. a mannequin. Yeah, I also read that um that mannequin ended up in one of the executives' offices. <laughs> a long time and it, people were really creeped out by it and he liked the fact that they were creeped out by it so oh. it was really very bizarre <laughs> because that the stuff that made it look like it was frozen over didn't come off the mannequin they were mm. supposed to return it afterwards but mm. then it wouldn't come off they're like eh, i guess I'm, i guess it's mine now
1: oh dear that reminds me of when i was studying costume and i covered the whole stage in flour but then that was a fire hazard so then i covered it all in water
0: oh, and
1: all the man. costumes were returned covered in pace.
0: Oh no. Why did that was a that was a bad choice I of youth. It was not trained
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> if at all.
0: Oh boy. Uh, Sorry,
1: Central s- School of Speech and Drama.
0: <laughs> while looking around, Termolin takes off his glove for absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah, well, he has a little nose (laughs) a little scratch and And of course it's just a flap the environmental suit he could just reach up and and scratch it but he feels the need to take off his glove to scratch his nose doesn't even
1: try it with his glove first no and then he he just leaves his glove off that is a hell of an itch if he would (laughs) rather risk deadly infection resulting in showering fully clothed than freezing to death the only logic i can come up with is that the suits are more of a cultural thing like a burka (laughs) Which they wear out <laughs> of respect on this planet, rather than something that's supposed to protect their lives and those of everyone else on the ship. Uh,
0: yeah, it uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And as he touches his bare hand to one of these frozen surfaces, uh, this red stuff creeps up and touches mm. his hand, and it causes him to pull his hand back, and he sort of itches it a bit, and it also makes this rattlesnake kind of sound effect. <laughs> And that's to kind of indicate to the audience that they are now infected by the by the Mm. disease. So Spock comes back and transmits to Kirk that he has no idea what has happened here.
1: At least the inhabitants are all dead this time. No sole survivors to perv over and bump off crew people. (laughs) It's like nothing we've dealt with before, they say. Well, certainly in that respect. (laughs) True. If, If only the hazmat suits had been sealed or they weren't made from saris or shower curtains or any instructions about taking gloves off and touching stuff had been followed, this yeah. could have looked like a potentially safe mission.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really don't uh, understand Lieutenant Tormolan's uh, behavior. He really was poorly trained.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I can identify. <laughs> that brings us to Act 1. So Spock and Lieutenant Tormolan are beamed onto the little stage where they're decontaminated by flashing lights.
0: <laughs> Transporter room
1: okay and are examined by dr mccoy spock says he's delighted that his anatomy is different i wonder if we'll see for ourselves later (laughs) i
0: don't i don't think it's that different
1: tommolion suddenly seems overwhelmed though by the deaths he saw on the planet which is brushed off with an order by Captain Kirk for him to rest.
0: So Kirk and the senior officers are in the briefing room trying to figure out what caused everybody to go nuts. So Kirk's concerned that it might somehow infect people on the crew because there's some fancy flying that needs to happen if they're to monitor the planet's Mm death. They got to get really close. So there's some danger that if they don't fly right, that they can actually fly into the collapsing planet.
1: Yeesh. But come on, guys. Someone always comes (laughs) back infected. You should know this by now.
0: (laughs) Well, I like to think that there's lots of things that go on between episodes and they just go smoothly. So we don't ever see those.
1: Oh, they only show us the F-ups.
0: Yeah, because it would be a really boring show if nothing happens. Everything goes according to plan.
1: (laughs) Jose thanks them for his chili peppers. (laughs) 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 They move on.
0: Spock gets a little abstract and says there are limitations in the scanning technology as space still contains the infinite unknowns. (laughs) (laughs) Convenient. And then Scotty uh, totally blows him off and he says, uh, you know, our engines can handle anything. We're awesome. I'm awesome. Don't worry about it.
1: How long do we have to put up with Scotty's accent?
0: Oh, um, 40 years. Oh, God. <laughs> so the planet goes into the first phase of its collapse.
1: The planet's about to disintegrate. It could explode. There are bound to be changes in gravity, at least. Mm-hmm. Sounds super dangerous to yeah. be hanging around observing it. Can't they just put a space camera in orbit or something? But yeah. well, then there wouldn't be a story.
0: Well, if this were Star Trek The Next Generation, they would have just sent a probe. Because that's the mm-hmm. thing that they do all the time. They go, send a probe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something that we can do now. So it's it seems pretty silly. It's really just a plot device. Mm-hmm. Fair obviously. enough. Yeah. Back in the rec room, Tormolan is getting some grub. And he keeps rubbing his hands and sweating a bunch. and then Lieutenant Sulu and Lieutenant Kevin Riley enter in a good mood, but Lieutenant Riley is this forgotten treasure. I totally forgot <laughs> about this guy. He is awesome.
1: I shan't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's only in one other episode., uh-huh. but I love this guy, and I wish he was in more. Sulu's trying to convince Riley how awesome fencing is.
1: <laughs> yeah, he tries to sign Tom Morlin up. but he's not having it. <laughs> he brandishes his butter knife and says, what are we doing out here in space? Good? What good? We're polluting it, destroying it. I have to agree at this point.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> Polluting it? They're not really polluting it. But yeah, <laughs> what are they doing out there? What's the point? they no good yet. Yeah.
1: His mood quickly turns to despair, and he turns the knife on himself. Sulu and Riley try to wrestle the knife away, but Tom Tormoran falls and impales himself, bleeding purple. <laughs>
0: what? I just think the blood color was a little off. He's not an <sighs> alien or anything. I Oh, they try the not to have shirt. realistic fake blood on okay. the TV show. so yeah. It's...
1: I found this guilt, empathy, and despair moving, but oh, no. I struggled with the butter knife as weapon. <laughs> Surely it could have been synthetic steak night.
0: Well, yeah. I just think it shows off how nuts he was uh, that he was able to stab himself with a butter knife. Like, you have to be pretty crazy Whoa. to pull something off like that. Right? Like, I mean, it <laughs> would be really hard. You would have to really want to stab yourself if you're, if you're pushing. He
1: falls on it in the end. Yeah. But bleeding without the knife making a hole in your shirt, that's pretty impressive too.
0: <laughs>
1: they probably didn't have enough money for a spare.
0: No, they don't want to put a hole in his shirt for crying no. out loud. So Riley calls for help on the intercom, but as he does, his hands get the itchy rattlesnake effect. So mm. we get into act two.
1: McCoy and Nurse Chapel of worst hair ever fame.
0: Wow. Yeah, she had some bad hair Woo. on this episode
1: failed to save Tom Olin, despite the fact that his wounds were not that severe, No. leaving a confounded McCoy to speculate his patient had simply lost his will to live. Mm. And notice they don't bother with CPR, even though it was introduced in 1960.
0: I think that it probably has to do with their advanced technology. So they don't mm. need to do CPR. They can just Not press a
1: advanced. button. <laughs> <laughs> their respirators seem to make him worse. Then try CPR. G- give him a few chest I just,
0: compressions. Try something. They got advanced technology. They just push a button and it does all of those things. You have to just accept the fact that they're doing the best they can with their advanced medical tech.
1: Hmm. But because the respirator made him worse, do you think his physiology had changed so much that the oxygen was now a toxin?
0: Could be. I think maybe you're thinking too much into it.
1: I think it was the purple blood that got me thrown. (laughs) (laughs) Not realizing it wasn't supposed to be.
0: Well, you know, I actually do have a beef with all of the medical stuff on Star Trek in general. And this is something that persists with Star Trek throughout the ages because Hmm. they have the tech to break somebody down, a human being, at the atomic level and then reconstruct them. Mm. So if you're able to do something like this, there should be no injuries or disease that a transporter could instantly fix. Uh. It's able to organize you on a molecular level. Mm-hmm. It would be able to scan and take out any foreign bacteria or viruses or anything like that. If your mm-hmm. arm gets blown off, they should be able to reconstruct. It doesn't make any sense. And... That's a problem with a lot of science fiction is that in building a world and technology in this world, you make cool things. Mm. But as a writer, you know, they're they're the only people they fail to implement them into the setting in ways that people might actually use them. So Mm. the transporter is a great example. They're like, oh, it gets people from point A to point B. And then when you start going, well, how does that work? And they go, break them down to this. Like, whoa, wait a minute. If you could do that, Mm. you should be able to do all these other things. And they try to come up with excuses throughout Star Trek for why they can't do particular things, but they're pretty weak in my opinion. Mm,
1: But half, if not all, the storylines go if you're able to do that, I guess.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: On the transporter breaking people down, are there going to be any The Fly type mix-ups?
0: You bet there are.
1: Well, this could explain Nurse Chapel's hair. (laughs) 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 What did she go in there with?
0: The planet's breakup is accelerating. Sulu and Riley are now on the bridge at navigation and helm consoles. They're both rubbing their hands and sweating like they're at a Florida barbecue in July. Sulu's getting a little loopy.
1: Sulu goes, I'm sweaty. Let's go and work out to take the edge off. Take the edge off what? And he's already sweaty. Why is it going to work out?
0: So yeah, Sulu just kind of sneaks off the bridge and leaves his post. (laughs) Riley doesn't go with him. He starts getting a little uppity with Spock. Starts talking into this really bad Irish accent. (laughs) Spock tells him to report to sick bay, and he...
1: He struts off. Blowing open some sliding doors with his breath. (laughs) I'm going to try that next time I go to
0: Sainsbury's. (laughs) So Riley goes down to sickbay, but McCoy's not there. Nurse is there. She talks to him and she tells him that uh, our dead. And then Riley says it's because he wasn't born an Irishman. Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Then Riley flirts with her a bit and then he touches her face and gives her the rattlesnake cooties (laughs) and then leaves.
1: Honestly, it's like a wig's on sideways <laughs> and has been cobbled together from various toupees and cats. <laughs>
0: you cannot let go of the wig. You cannot let it go. I can't. Oh, boy. But it is something to behold. So now Sulu is lurking around the halls of the Enterprise shirtless and armed with a fencing foil.
1: <laughs> he leaps in and pricks himself. He's having a right laugh, prancing around, <laughs> freaking people out. He's all cut and sweaty.
0: He's very ripped, yeah.
1: Mm, and Spock notes that people are becoming who they truly are and that Sulu is at heart a swashbuckler from your 18th century. <laughs> How does he know that about Sulu?
0: <laughs> does, where did that come up in conversation? I don't understand.
1: Of course, Sulu then swans onto the bridge, even though security, the universe's worst security team perhaps, yeah, pretty, has been called. Yeah, I guess it's not possible to fire rubbish staff and hire new blood when you're hurtling through space, but still. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, they're not, uh, they're great. But then again, how do they know who's infected? Sulu's just, I mean, he's running around shirtless yeah. with this sword, okay, yeah. Maybe
1: that's normal for
0: him. <laughs> 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 Sulu gets on the bridge and he takes Ahura, saying that he will protect her, calling her a fair maiden. Then she looks him up and down and says, Sorry, neither. Mm. And this was a l- line that, that Nichelle Nichols ad libbed oh. for the show. I think I read somewhere that the network executives were a bit nervous about this because she's neither white nor subservient.
1: Or neither white nor a virgin. Oh, that
0: what does that one maiden mean? Don't, don't I don't know. Either way, Kurt jumps. Sulu, and then Spock comes in and gives him the old Vulcan nerve pinch, which I think is the first time we see that. Mm. That gets used a lot in the show. I'm
1: not surprised. It's a signature move. If you got it, flaunt it.
0: The ship is rocked by the exploding planet, but mm. the controls aren't working. They call down to engineering, but Scotty isn't there. It's Captain... <laughs> Kevin Thomas Riley, he's promoted himself, who somehow tricked the whole engineering crew out of engineering and locked the door. So Riley begins broadcasting over the ship's intercom system, starts making proclamations and singing terribly, I'll take you home again, Kathleen. And there's this bit here where they can't shut down the intercoms and Kirk barks at Ahura to shut it off. And she stands up to him and she says, look, I'm trying. Yeah,
1: this song's getting on everyone's tits. Don't think I haven't tried. (laughs) But then Kirk apologizes to her.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's a little bit of a moment here, and it's really good. Mm. There's a lot that's going on with very little being spoken. You know, he's the captain, mm-hmm. he's annoyed, and he's taking it out on his communications officer, mm-hmm. a black woman. And she stands up to him in a very assertive, calm way. Yeah. And then he backs down and apologizes. Yeah. And that's pretty solid social activism for early 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just good characters. I mean, it makes me like both of them. Like she doesn't, she's understanding, but then he also like goes, you know what? I I stepped on a line. Yeah. I apologize. So it's, they're really good characters. It stood out that moment,
1: definitely did. So Riley also announces a formal dance in the bowling alley, which sounds awesome. (laughs) He's fun slash leading them to their
0: deaths.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He lays down some rules about women's hair and makeup. The cheek of it. Although fair enough, (laughs) against the utilitarian uniforms, we've got some 60s big hair taken to extremes. Rand is wearing an actual beehive on her head covered in (laughs) plaques. I could understand these hairstyles once they're infected and they've lost all self-control, but yeah. not before. Yeah.
0: yeah, I suppose
1: it might be the only way they can assert their individuality. Oh, but the yeah, men don't yeah. seem to feel the need to.
0: Uh, since he's controlling the ship's systems, the Enterprise is going to fall into the collapsing planet. Meanwhile, the infection is spreading all over the ship. Oh, no! Rattlesnake shake. <laughs> act three, Spot goes down and checks on the door welding. He sees that it's going very slowly and he hurries Scotty along because he goes, well, if I rush it, then it won't work. And he goes, if you don't rush it, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And Scotty goes, good point. <laughs> then he goes over to sickbay to see, if, to see how the cure for the disease is coming along.
1: So, Sidewig Chapel is infected and feeling randy and tells Spock she's in love with him.
0: Yeah, who who isn't, though, really? I mean, it's common. Everybody is. It's a big surprise.
1: At least 50% of the people in this house are. <laughs> <laughs> Those who are awake right now, anyway. She's appealing to his human side, his emotions. He says, I am in control of my emotions. And she says, I love you just as you are. Aww. He apologizes, looks sad almost as though holding back tears. Ignoring repeated calls from Uhura, Spock then becomes emotional in the corridors.
0: Yeah, he's he's infected.
1: He's infected by her touch. A crewman laughing his head off about having a paintbrush, writes (laughs) love mankind in red on a door, not helping Spock at all. Spock hides in the briefing room trying to regain control by stating his duty and doing his two times tables (laughs) (laughs) before breaking down. Nimoy can't cry tears which pulled me out of the story but fair enough yeah it probably wasn't in the role description when he auditioned for purely logical alien (laughs) fair (laughs) point so Scotty finally finishes cutting a hole in the two millimeter thick wall (laughs) with an intergalactic blowtorch and opens the door
0: Kirk and Scotty and a bunch of security guys get in there and get Riley and then his reaction is awesome (laughs) when they walk in he just kind of He's not upset or angry. He just goes, oh, no (laughs) dance tonight. (laughs) But Scotty has some bad news. Riley had shut down the ship's engines completely. And a restart takes 30 minutes. And they only have 10 until the ship crashes into the planet. Kirk tells Scotty he's got to work some engineering magic. But Scotty is like, I can't change the laws of physics. I've got to have 30 minutes. This gets us into the final act. So they need to do a cold restart with a controlled matter antimatter implosion in balanced engines, (laughs) which is possible, but requires Spock's big brains to do the calculations. And by possible, I mean theoretically possible. Nobody's ever done this before. More likely it will blow up the ship. Oh, no. Anyway, they don't really have a choice because it's either this or they all mm. blow up on the planet. So they're going to blow up one way or the other. This way they've got a chance. Back in sickbay, McCoy has discovered a cure. Yes. Uh, somehow it lives in water molecules and that's why the uh, decontamination didn't catch it. So they give Sulu the cure and he's fine, but he can't remember anything about his experience.
1: McCoy gives info and orders to Chapel, even though she's clearly off her tips, <laughs> But he carries on giving those anyway. <laughs> and Kirk finds Spock in anguish. Regretting his inability to express love even for his mum, Kirk slaps him in the face hard, trying to slap the feelings out of him, which would seem harsh if they weren't all plummeting to their death. Yeah, sure. Then Spock admits to feeling shame over his friendship with the captain. Why?
0: Any emotions are bad to Vulcans. What we find out later is they had a very emotionally charged culture mm. and they were prone to lots of violence. Oh. And this guy came in, this Vulcan leader who had this whole philosophy about uh, logic and, and being able to repress their emotions mm. to the point that they were practically non-existent. And it changed uh, Vulcan culture, and then they prospered and became a utopia. Mm. What you're asking, though, about this scene and Vulcan emotions leads us to something that's been going on for a long time outside of Star Trek. K slash S Kirk slash Spock. Ever hear of it? <laughs> no. It is Homo Erotica, written about Kirk and Spock, but written by straight women. Mm. Not always, but usually written by straight women about Kirk and Spock being lovers (laughs) or having feelings under the surface that that they never have a chance to express. Wow. So Kirk slash Spock became slash fiction, which is about anything heterosexual characters having a homosexual relationship. So like uh, Starsky slash Hutch, John slash Ponch, whatever, all the stuff from like the 70s and 80s, like this is when it started. Mm -hmm. Now with the Internet, there is slash fiction Everywhere it's a huge deal. Like every any television show you can think of, there's slash fiction that exists for it, and it's it's sort of interesting because it's erotic, but it's it's much more about like emotions and Mm. like relationships and longing looks and touches and things like that. And this scene is often arguably attributed to starting the spark that lit the bonfire that became slash fiction. Wow. Spock's romantic love for Kirk was his shame.
1: So struck again, Spock whacks back, sending Kirk backwards over a table, infecting him.
0: Kirk starts feeling the effects immediately, like everybody else It takes some time, but Mm. Kirk, man, right on, he's ready to go. He says to Spock, you know, you're better off without love. And he goes into this, his love affair with the Enterprise Hmm. and the price that he must pay to be with her. And he talks about how he's attracted to Rand. But he can't do anything because he's a captain and she's a yeoman.
1: Oh, here we go again. Brand.
0: <laughs> so Spock is able to pull it together. He's, you know, because he's Vulcan. So he's able to control his emotions. It just mm-hmm. took him a bit. And then he's, okay, he's back in charge. And he goes off to help Scotty get the engines restarted. Kirk pulls it together a bit, wanders up to the bridge, talking to the ship, saying, never lose you. Never.
1: Oh, it's like you and your iPad.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, I hope I never lose it. When Kirk gets into the turbo lift, someone has painted "Sinner, Repent on the door, which is really creepy. Mm -hmm.
1: So entering the bridge, Kirk's uniform is dramatically ripped by McCoy to (laughs) inject him with the antidote. And the episode's sexiness rating goes up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So not necessary. (laughs) But why not? That's what I say. Why not just rip his whole shirt off for, Mm for that matter? I mean... Kirk sits in the captain's chair and Sulu is back at the helm. Kirk mumbles some orders and they plot a course waiting for the engines to restart. Kirk looks over at Yeoman Rand longfully uh, and she looks at him, but he says nothing to her.
1: Is this what Spock was referring to as no beach to walk on? What does that mean that? Kirk can't have Rand sexually?
0: Well, I think he just meant like they can't go walking on the beach together in a a romantic sense. But maybe Mm. walking on the beach is a metaphor for doing it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I I didn't get that from the initial listening. But now that you point that out, then maybe that was the case. Mm -hmm. Spock and Scotty finish their calculations. The restart is engaged.
1: The implosion sends everybody gurning and writhing around a bit. But it's successful with an unexpected result. They go back in time, three days. Mr. Spock. Yes, sir. The time warp. what did it do to us? We've regressed in time, 71 hours. It is now three days ago, Captain. We have three days to live over again. (sighs) Not those last three days. This does open some intriguing prospects, Captain. Since the formula worked, we can go back in time to any planet any era. We may risk it someday, Mr. Spark. Resume course to our next destination, Mr. Sudo. Course laid in, sir. Steady as she goes.
0: Now, this is weird to me. Mm. They didn't go back to Psy 2000. If they got there three days early, wouldn't they be able to rescue all those people? Mm. Why not? Was this an issue of paradox if they go there now would they run into themselves Hmm. and if they did run into themselves then they would have never gone down to the planet and they never would have got infected and then you've got a paradox Hmm. yeah but they don't even bring that up they don't even consider that it's not talked about
1: yeah they risked their lives like some silly storm chasers for all that time just to get some data on a dying planet And now they've got the chance to actually stop that guy from getting in the shower with his clothes on and all the rest of it. And they don't fancy it. Maybe it's like a weekend in Vegas gone wrong. Inhibitions were lowered. (laughs) Things were said. Friends (laughs) played strip rock, paper, scissors. Would they take the chance to do the three days over again or just drive away? What happens whilst orbiting Psy 2000?
0: Stays in Psy 2000. Mm. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. Why even bother? Just go, you take off Particle. Of you take off. You know, like, is, why make the, the whole...
1: You had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so at first I thought, what was the point of that little back in time bit? But then Spock does casually mention, we can go back to any era. Mm-hmm. And I thought, here we go. Yeah. They're setting us up for caveman time. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, something. I mean, they do use time travel a bunch. And mm. this is uh, this is something... That this episode is kind of the genesis of all that stuff.
1: So we end with Kirk back on the throne in command as the center of the family. Yeah.
0: This episode was written by John D.F. Black and directed by Mark Daniels, who also uh, directed The Man Trap.
1: So what did you think?
0: It was not as good as I remembered it being. I know Takei loves this show, and I think it's because he is all shirtless and ripped.
1: (laughs) Yeah, being zany.
0: Yeah, and being zany. And if I look that good and somebody filmed it. That would be my favorite episode as well.
1: (laughs) As much as I enjoy emotional nudity as a professional, I was hoping for some more actual naked times from this episode. A bit more romping about and an infection which makes people strip off at a certain time of day, maybe.
0: Okay, sure. yeah. I
1: did rather enjoy the Riley silliness, though.
0: It was pretty funny. I'm still
1: holding out for that dance in the bowling
0: alley. You know, the bowling alley is only ever mentioned again. They they do these official blueprints of the Enterprise, which Mm. my dad had. (laughs) Uh... And the bowling alley's in the blueprints.
1: <laughs> of course it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so ratings. Entertainment value. I give it a six. It was pretty entertaining. It was, you know, slightly better than an average episode of Star Trek, but yeah. not, not much better, I thought.
1: I found it entertaining. For Riley alone, I'd give it a good uh, five. And then well, yeah, I'm going to go for a good uh,
0: seven. A seven. Yeah. Concepts. I'd say it's pretty average, five. not not. I mm. mean, the concept is they get a disease that makes them kind of drunk. So mm-hmm. yeah. not, it doesn't really make you think too much. Uh, maybe about the relationships and, and who they are as individuals. And what uh,
1: inhibitions they have. Right. I'm left with more questions than answers about Spock and his emotional control.
0: Well, this show, people loved Spock and his emotional control issues. Mm. Um, they, I read that they got a ton of fan mail mm. and they were really interested. They're like, whoa, he's it's not that he doesn't have emotions is that he mm. represses emotions yeah. and that became super interesting to later episodes we'll explore who spock is and what he's dealing with mm. so for for concepts
1: uh so five. i'm gonna give it six for concepts
0: oh, okay so for sexiness i gave it a three you know there wasn't really much sexiness going on a little bit with Nurse Chapel and Spock, but it wasn't really that sexy. Mm,
1: pretty high if you're into Kirk on Spock action,
0: though. <laughs> that's a ten all the way. <laughs> Woo!
1: <laughs> so sexiness, I guess it's just Kirk's shoulder again. What did I give it last time? <laughs> it was Kirk's shoulder.
0: I think it was three. A, yeah, but no, you gave it you you jacked it up to a five because of Kirk's. Did I? Shirt. Okay, yeah, I well so.
1: this time I can't think of any other. So well, Ahura sticking up to Kirk, that's pretty sexy. Uh, four.
0: Okay, next time we're gonna cover the episode "The Enemy Within." again a really entertaining one I think it's a little silly not intentionally oh. but it is a it's a seminal Star Trek so get ready for that mm. Rachel I had such a good time watching this episode with you and then talking about it afterwards
1: Aw, oh, thank you you're a treasure Me my dear too.
0: Mm.
1: I noticed when we first started recording you were scratching your arm though I hope you're not infected <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with that I'm Chris Lackey
1: and I'm Rachel Lackey and thank you for listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek <laughs> The tray.